it's been there for decades. We ask this morning that you'd open our hearts, not just to your word, but to the Holy Spirit that would want to speak to our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. Good morning, everybody, again. I want to encourage, uh, don't forget, after the service this morning, particularly those who may be just visiting us, uh, please feel free this morning just to come and stay for morning tea afterwards. We'd love to just connect and uh, spend some time with you as well. I want to just uh, acknowledge all our children are here this morning because Children's Church is it's on, it's holiday time, isn't it? So our children are in service with us. Uh, and parents, may I just uh, make you aware of, of course, if you didn't know, there's a parents' room there for your children. You can hear this message and, you've got, and you can look out through the glass there. If there's nursing mothers, there's a nursing mothers there as well. Please make yourself available to that so you can just help your child and also you can just help everybody else uh, in, the, in the service as well if uh, to allow your child to be able to have a bit of freedom in there. Wonderful. And talking about children, we are this morning, because our children are with us, I have a, just a little run sheet or a little um, uh, sheet in relation to what I want to share. So all the children here, there are lollies involved in this. It's always a good motivator, isn't it? Um, so if you wanted to go back to my wife back there, she will give you a sheet and a pen, and you can follow on, and you can fill in the blanks. That'd be great. And then after the service, you can bring it back to her. And uh, she will then check it, and I'm sure you'll be able to get one of these incredible lollies. So how are we going? Can we turn in our Bibles this morning? Uh, Acts chapter 16. Could you, hey Joel, could you just run me the um, clicker there, buddy? That'd be great. I just forgot it this morning. Acts chapter 16, if we could turn... Our Bibles, iPhones, everything else we may have. Thank you very much, Joel. I'll just wait to all the children and make sure they've got a copy of this. Well, I've got a Milky Way. I'll just keep that one for now because I know if I don't, if I go afterwards, I'll miss out. I wrote it. Here, here, Mel, you can have this one. Would you like one, Sandy? Oh, you're not allowed to have it here. She just said so. Okay. Are we there yet? Are we there in Acts 16? Say yeah if you're there. Brilliant. I think the children are just about all good. We are. Let's read it together. Well, I'll read it to you. How it, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. We're talking about um, the writer of Acts, which is Luke. He's writing this. And this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul being greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. And when her master saw that the hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. Let's go to the next verse. Oh, 
That didn't happen very well, did it? And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. And then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they'd laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, can everybody just say, but at midnight, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors are open and everyone's chains were loosened. Let's see if we go better with the third slide. There we are, back at the right font size. And when it was day, let's go to verse 35, please. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So it's the next day. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you, have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans and have thrown us into prison. And now do they... They put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. And then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. Um, Of all the Bible stories in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Acts, this is one of the most unusual interventions of God that you'll probably read about in the New Testament. Um, It's it's unusual in the sense that they have an earthquake which an earthquake isn't unusual we've just had an earthquake in China and unfortunately people have died but and so while earthquakes are unusual what happened around the earthquake is incredible because it we find that no buildings crumbled no sidewalks were cracked no roads opened up and the cars were swallowed but what did happen is doors of a prison were opened and the chains around prisoners hands and feet automatically somehow just fell off. Would you agree that's unusual? That is unusual. It's even more abnormal when we consider uh, that we would have to say that there is a very strong case that this earthquake and the what happened in this earthquake all started because two men decided at midnight to lift their voice and prayer to God and praise for God. That's amazing that possibly this is the result the result of that praise and prayer was God's response with an earthquake sometimes when I pray I'd love to feel God make the earth move but I never have yet when I've prayed but that's okay I know God only responds of course depending on what the need is and we don't really need earthquakes I suppose at the moment now these two men it's interesting because They start to give praise and they start to pray to God in the most unusual circumstances, you'd have to agree. In actual fact, if you really just thought it through for a moment, it's unnatural to do what they did, to praise God in what they were facing. In actual fact, if they maybe had cursed the day they were born, I'd probably be more of an understanding of that response than the response, we just have to turn it down slightly, Jay, than the response that they had of praise and prayer. If they just said, well, I don't know why I was born, because you've got to, if you consider the circumstances, these two men were 
at the start of the day, they were going about their own business. Actually, they were going to pray somewhere. They cast a, a demon out of a young girl. The people who own that young girl get upset uh, and then they throw them before the magistrates. The magistrates are so in, enraged and angered. I got a feeling these magistrates, if you think it through, probably had some issues with Paul and Silas well before they got into their court. Because the magistrates, quite literally in their, in their anger, te- ripped the clothes off their bodies. How would you be going to a court in Gladstone and the magistrate walks down and starts to tear your clothes off? You'd, you'd kind of think that's an overreaction to what I'd done wrong, wouldn't you? <laughs> Depending on what you've done. But that's exactly what happens. So quite likely, Paul and Silas now find themselves still naked, in part, if not fully naked, partly naked, in a prison that is reserved for the, uh, for, for the worst of the worst criminals. And if that isn't enough, they can't even walk around their cell because their feet are in stocks. And if that isn't enough, they've been beaten by Romans. And if you know anything of Jewish and Roman history, um, Romans had no particular number of stripes they put on people. Whatever they felt was enough, they, that's what they did. Where the Jewish law said 40. 40 was all you gave. But Romans, they'll just kind of you know, beat you until they think, well, we won't do it anymore, he could die. Let's keep them alive. And so Paul and Silas have probably got blood congealed on their backs, sitting, if not fully naked, but part naked in a cold, damp prison, in the inner prison of this particular city. And they are feet in stocks. And here they had every right to say, why was I even born? But they don't say that. They don't curse the day they were born. They give praise to the God who, give, who allowed them to be born. And I find that an incredible, un, while it's unnatural, I want to say there's something powerful in that. And I want to speak to you this morning simply on this topic, the power of your voice. I want to talk to you today about the power of your voice. Because who knows what comes out of the mouth can, can produce life or death. And I want to tell you, I want to, I believe it, it could, we want, need to produce life. And your voice is just as powerful as any other's voice when we speak. And particularly, I've discovered, when we give praise and when we pray. You know, there's a, the psalmist said this in Psalm 116, verse 1. He said, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice, he heard my cry for mercy. Um, the psalmist is declaring something, his love for God, because God has held, heard his cry for mercy. Um, the truth is, the psalmist here had to raise his voice for God to hear. Now you might say, but God can hear even the, the, the workings of my heart. Very true. But I think God loves to hear a voice declare something to him. I don't think you need to be a secret believer, hey? But I think God loves to hear our voice. And the psalmist declares that, hey, I'm going to raise... God has heard my voice. I want, to, I want to reassure you this morning, if there's one person who's going to hear your voice, it's our Heavenly Father. He's intimately interested in you in every way. He's not interested in destroying your life. He's interested in giving you life. Um, so, you know, even this morning, as I woke up before the sun rose, I was just sitting at my desk at home there. I couldn't help but hear the birds sing. And it always is fascinating to think that birds will always sing before the sun rises and not after. It's always interesting that birds will sing in the dark, while it's still dark and while it's not light yet. And, I've got, and someone has once told me, they said, birds always sing to welcome the light because they know it's coming. 
And I want to tell you that's the same reassurance that we can have in some of your darkest moments in life, in some of the most troubled times in life. I want to tell you that if you lift your voice, prayer, praise, even in the darkest times, the light will come. Amen? It will come. But we need to lift our voice. So I want to just share with you three thoughts this morning in relation to why our voice is powerful. Why your voice is powerful. Your voice, number one, is powerful because it's greater than any limitations. If you would look at Paul and Silas, they have limitations and barriers placed upon them. Physically, they're, they're in stocks. They're, they're in, uh, of course, in a cell. Uh, they can't go anywhere. Physical barriers. Uh, you can appreciate the emotional pain, maybe to some degree, they've experienced because they've been publicly humiliated, they've been publicly berated, they've been publicly beaten, and uh, they're facing all types of issues I can appreciate in their life. And the jail cell itself might have been a physical barrier, but isn't it interesting, it was no limitation to God. Isn't that good? It's not a, and the very things that seem to want to enclose you, maybe want to put you down this morning, can I say they're not a limitation to God. But I'm, I believe God would look for you to do one thing this morning, and that is to lift your voice. He could bring you out of what you face, but he so much wants to hear your heart, doesn't he? There was a gentleman called William Sinkster. He was a guy that lived around the start of the uh, 20th century, last century. In about 1941, he was instrumental in um, leading and facilitating an incredible revival across the British Isles. And, and he never lost his fervency or his passion to see God move in people's lives all through the length of his life, right through the length of his life. And unfortunately, his public ministry came to an end when he received a debilitating disease that paralyzed his body. And, and the thing about William Sangster, it didn't, he didn't lose his fervency in that. But the, the sad thing about it was it not only paralyzed his body, it paralyzed his vocal cords. And on his, on, in, on, in the latter year of his life, the last year of his life, it was last Resurrection Sunday on, on an Easter weekend. And he went to church in a wheelchair with his family. And he sat there in the front row. And, he, and of course, he couldn't sing. But he wrote these wonderful words. He said, how terrible on Easter Sunday to not have a voice to shout, he has risen. But how even more terrible it would be to have a voice and never shout at all. And I want to just say this morning, if you're facing a circumstance, a situation, and a, and a thing, your mouth or your voice is a powerful tool. Will you declare the grumbles of what's happening? Will you declare, oh, this is, this is the end of me. There's no hope. There's no future. Because I, I want to tell you, it will be if that's what we declare. But I want to tell you, there's another way you can declare something. And that is to say, God, even though I face what I face, I'm going to give you thanks anyway and praise. Even though I'm, I'm, even though I'm in this situation, as I, as I commit in prayer this situation, I'm believing. And I tell you what, that's a powerful voice that God can't deny. And he can't refuse when we lift our voice. And I don't want to have a voice and ever use it to pull down, but I want to have a voice, like all of us, I pray, to be able to shout his honor and his glory and lift it up. See, while Paul and Silas were shackled in every way, physically shackled, the one thing that isn't shackled, uh, the one thing that isn't tied down, the one thing that is not restricted is the ability to pray and to praise and to lift their voice. Um, and while... 
um, we see that these two men had every reason to say, God, if this is what ministry is about, if this is what you've called us to do, oh, we're out of here. I've had enough of this. <laughs> We've been beaten to an inch of our lives, possibly. We're sitting here naked to some extent, locked in stocks. And uh, God, what are you doing? And you know, some of us have felt like that. And I tell you, you have a voice. It's not limited. It's not locked. It's not shackled. Um, you know, when I sit and watch my favorite team play my favorite sport, which is the Broncos play rugby league, probably usually more than once or twice when I, during that game, I'll lift my voice in some way. There's this swelling of emotion, especially when they score a try, especially when they do an incredible thing. And, and mind you, they are on the top of the leaderboard at the moment. Um, so we won't, won't brag about that, but anyway. Um, but, you know, when they do something, there's this, this, there's this something inside. And for you guys too, if you watch, you know, you go and sit and watch some type of sport and, not, and just sit there. Don't say anything when your team does well. It's a natural impossibility, isn't it? Something's got to come out. Something's got to come out. And often I find myself just giving liberal praise to them. Wow, you know, well done, brilliant. Some of us are going to watch this incredible game called the State of Origin this Wednesday night. And I'm sure, I'm sure that at some point you will say, hooray. No, no, no. But, you know, the reality is there's an element of natural, uh, something within us that just wants to give praise. It's just a natural response to something that we, we appreciate or see that we enjoy. But I want to tell you, naturally speaking, it doesn't make sense to give praise when you're in a difficult circumstance. It doesn't make sense to give praise when you're in a difficult circumstance. Or even pray sometimes. You know when something first happens and, oh, you're thinking of all the, ring the doctor, ring the ambulance, I don't know what to do. You know, it's not natural sometimes to go, Jesus. <laughs> but I want to tell you, you're right, it's not natural, but you don't need a natural answer, you need a supernatural answer. That's why you need to do a, have a supernatural response. And I believe praise and prayer in those times are supernatural responses to the circumstances that you may face. And even though our flesh would say, I don't want to do that or I'm not interested in that, I tell you, if you raise your voice, I tell you, God brings about a supernatural response. And uh, I've discovered when praise and prayer is most difficult, it's most necessary. And real praise and prayer should not be reserved for the difficult times of life, really, but all times of life. Would you agree? All times of life. Not just the difficult times, not just the times we really... They're good, but all times. There's this wonderful verse in the Bible, it just says in 1 Thessalonians, that you know so well, many of us quote it. Chapter 5, it says, Pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of what? God in Christ Jesus for you. How do you pray without ceasing? Uh, look, you know, the truth is, it's, it's not some thing that you do that, you know, you need to constantly be verbalizing things to God. But I want to tell you that if you can continually be aware that God is there and not distant from you, and that any time you just need to talk, He's there. 
He's there. Just like we talk to our family members, just like we, we, talk, we sit in our homes and we relate to our family members, God's all, He's part of the family. He's there all the time, ready to listen, ready to speak back to us. We can pray without ceasing. We can be available to hear and, and for Him to hear us. And then it says, in everything, you know, at different times in our lives, everybody has thought this thought or even asked this question, what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to do now? What am I doing? What am I supposed to do in this situation? And you know, often you don't know the answer. But very clearly, we see the first thing that Paul says to the Thessalonians. He says, you know, the first thing that you need to do, he says, you just need to give thanks. This is God's, this is what God wants you to do. The first thing that you do when you're saying, what do I do now? He says, would you just give thanks? Would you just, would you just verbalize something to me? Would you just give praise to me? Because, you know, the truth is I've discovered if I never draw near to him, how can I ever hear from him? If I ever never give him thanks, how can I ever uh, see this situation uh, just go from, you know, the supernatural answer that I really do need? I want to just encourage us this morning that, that, that we lift our voice. It's not just a trick we do with our mouth. Would you agree? It's not some trick that we do that makes God respond. What it is, is, is um, it's an incredible opportunity that we say, God, I just praise you. I don't enjoy what I'm I don't agree, but God, I'm just going to thank you anyway. And you know, when we do that, I want to tell you that it is somehow, some way, God is there to start to intervene in the situation. He is faithful to us. And you might say, well, I don't seem to get answers sometimes. Um, just wait a second. Hang on there. So the first thing I want to say is your voice is powerful because it, 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 there's no limitations. The second thing I want to say this morning is your voice is powerful because it does the, what we can all see. It changes circumstances. It changes circumstances. And uh, you would be quite right to say to me this morning, just wait a minute, God does, God, doesn't God change circumstances? Well, yes, often He does, but I want to tell you that often He waits for our response to Him before He acts. Because He wants to see the heart of us uh, and, and the fervency or the passion of where we're really at before He does. It's a, and it's amazing in this story how much changes in a matter of 24 hours. If you look at the story and just think about it for a moment, Paul and Silas are walking down the street one moment and within, within an hour, they're finding themselves before a magistrate being flogged and placed in an in a, in a, in a inner cell of a prison of that particular city. Man, that was a change. But within 24 hours, it's interesting how much does change and turn around because we see the same magistrates who tore the clothes from Paul and Silas's body are the same magistrates less than 24 hours later went into that jail and pleaded with Paul and Silas would you please leave peaceably how does that happen how do men who are so enraged and so bent on destroying someone then go and ask the same people would you please leave peaceably I want to tell you how I believe it's because I believe that Paul and Silas knew something was powerful in the realm of, of just praise and prayer. Would you agree? See, the Roman, see, Paul and Silas probably knew this verse in Zechariah. I love this verse. Paul and Silas probably had the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old, and at least they knew what Zechariah said. Not by might, nor by, not by, 
power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And, you know, when we take the time to raise our voice to God in to God in praise or in prayer. As I said, it's not some trick we do to manipulate God, but what it is, is it's asking our Heavenly Father to do what we can't. You know, and I've always decided, do what you can and then let Him do what we can't do. Um, and it's tapping into the reality that God is able to do far beyond we could ever think of imagine, and uh, that God who does the supernatural, which we can't do. And you know, it's not by the might, it's not by power, Paul and Silas had no power, no, no might of their own. They had no strength of their own. But what they did have is they had a voice that they could raise and they had a God who could hear them. And then in, as the two connected, a raised voice, a God who's willing, and man, earthquakes happen. Amen? Earthquakes happen. And it's not by, the, not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit. I want to tell you that it's a realm that we need to continually allow God to operate, help us to operate in. Because sometimes we can be so natural uh, that we forget that there is a realm that God wants us to be super, let Him be supernatural in and through us. I, um, on many occasions in my life, uh, well, not many, several occasions, maybe five or ten occasions, have had have come about across circumstances that unfold in your life, and, and you would have as well. Uh, and you, and you say something like this, why? What was that all about? What happened there? <laughs> How did, why is that happening? You know, when something happens, you know, you've got plans and purposes to go here, but it's all kind of shut down because something happens. I, Michelle and I were traveling to Brisbane about several years ago, just two of us. And as we're traveling to Brisbane, we, um, I, my alternator stopped working um, an alternator is the thing under the bonnet that actually allows the battery to continue to be recharged. And if you've got no battery, you soon find that you'll have no lights and no power to the motor. So I knew the alternator was going, so I thought if I can just get to, because we're traveling south to Brisbane, if I just get to Gympie where I've got some relatives, we'll be able to pull up for the night and hopefully get it fixed the next morning. So, because the, the lights were getting dimmer, the battery is draining of power because there's no alternator charging it and wouldn't you know it just before a little town that some of you know is called Tyro traveling south to Brisbane there is a line of traffic probably no less than two or three kilometers long all pulled up on the Bruce Highway I find out that they've had a major fatal accident just on the entry of Tyro and we're not going anywhere that direction so we're sitting there everything's and I didn't want to stop the car because I'm not quite sure whether I could start it again and I knew if I don't keep the car if I kept the car going I'm going to continue to waste the power so I'm in this bit of a don't know what to do so um, Michelle and I just turned to each other and literally we prayed a 30 second prayer a 30 second prayer and it went like this God we're really not quite sure what to do but could you help us and just show us how to get out of this situation or get through it and no sooner had I said that, because, you know, my heart was to try and um, get to Gympie. No sooner had I said that, than a man in the dark, it startled me for a moment, it was knocking on my driver's side window. And I opened it up, and he said, I know a shortcut to Gympie. Would you like to go there? And, and I realized enough that when I get things like that happen, that God's probably directing me. And I said... Yes, 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 I'd like to. He says, follow me. 
So we turned our cars around. I followed him back into Meribara. And we're coming out of Meribara, and we're about a K out of Meribara. And he's heading off into the distance. And my car battery completely loses power. All the lights go. The motor shuts down. We pull over, and we're a kilometer. And I thought, God, I thought this was part of your plan for me to get to Gympie. And it's like, in hindsight, God was saying to me, who told you that part of the plan? My plan was just to get you to safety. So I rang up, Michelle rang up RACQ, and the guy said that this was the basic line of the guy in the RACQ guy at Meribarah. He said, you're very fortunate that you rang me now. He said, because any moment now, they're going to ring me to go to that accident just um, north of Tyro. So I tell you what, they haven't rang me. I'll come out to you, get your car and help you, and then hopefully they won't ring me in that time span. And we're praying, oh, Lord. So he arrives just a kilometre out of Meribara, loads us, we go into Meribara, he puts the car in the RACQ mechanic shop, he takes us to a motel, we have a lovely night's sleep, we get up in the morning, they just happen to have an alternator on the shelf for our Ford, they put the alternator in, and 11 o'clock we're on our way to Brisbane, and all is happy and excited, and Michelle and I got another night in a motel, isn't that brilliant? <laughs> so, I look back at it and I say, well God, isn't it interesting how it all unfolds? And the point, and the interesting thing is, is if the guy hadn't tapped on the window and told us to go back to Meribara, we would have been a long way away from any help. Took us back into Meribara. Thankfully, if, the, if God hadn't taken us back into Meribara, the guy possibly, any later than where he was, he possibly would have had to go to the major accident um, just north of Tyro. And we wouldn't have got into that motel bed at about one or two o'clock in the morning. Thankfully, at 10 o'clock, we were tucked away asleep. It was brilliant. And I want to just say that, you know, God has a wonderful way. And all it was was a 30-second cry of help. And I want to say, as the psalmist said, he heard my cry of my voice. I want to tell you, what do you need to continue to do sometimes in your life? You know, the cry of your voice. Would you raise your voice? Because God is interested in everything that you face. And sometimes we keep them at a distance and say, well, you know, um, I, I've got all these other suggestions. I can, I can pay for the doctor's bills, and that's brilliant. I, you know, I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got these people can help, and that can help. I want to tell you that don't neglect the one incredible being that wants to help you more than anything else, and that's our Heavenly Father. We turn to so many things in our wonderful Western culture that has so many answers for life. And I tell you what, the one answer is always has been and always will be Jesus Christ. So, and you may say this morning, well, I've prayed and I've praised and circumstances don't change. And that's a valid reason to say, well, I shouldn't, I don't know if I want to believe you this morning because circumstances haven't changed. Well, let me just give you this elements of wisdom. If everything, everything will be all right in the end, and if it's not all right, it's not yet the end. Because God's timing is different to yours. And I've discovered when I want to see answers aren't necessarily when God delivers the answers. And if only in that time frame we would trust Him. Because everything will be right in the end. And if it's not right, it's not yet the, come on, the end. And that's the time of trust, of faithfulness, and say, Father, I'm going to continue to present this request. I'm going to t continue to praise you. I'm going to continue just to let you know, because I know that ultimately you've got your, me, my best future in your mind. 
Uh, and as it says in Jeremiah, God says, I want to bless you, not curse you. I want to do you good, not harm you. Let's go to the last thing this morning. Your voice, this is the last thought, your voice is more powerful when it is midnight. Verse 20, 25 says, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing. At midnight, they were praying and they were singing. Could it ever be any darker for Paul and Silas? Think about it for a moment. It was basically about six hours since they'd seen the sun go down, and it's about six hours till I see the sun come up. And they're at the, metaphorically, the darkest point in the, in the middle of the night, and metaphorically, the darkest point in their lives. You know, they didn't know what the future holds. Would the morning bring more persecution? Would the, would the daylight bring even execution? They weren't quite sure the future that, was in, that, they, that lay ahead of them. They weren't quite sure of any of that. They didn't know. It was dark. For Paul and Silas, uh, it was midnight. And midnight is just a, is just a, a kind of a, a picture of maybe where our, our hearts can be sometimes. We're really not quite for, sure of the future. We're really not quite sure of what it holds, whether it's going to be good or bad. But I'd love you to walk back out those doors this morning, even though you're not quite sure of your future, at least knowing that He'll hold your future. And our Heavenly Father wants to hold your future, but it's going to take you lifting your voice. It's going to take you maybe coming to the prayer meeting on, on Tuesday, this Tuesday, and starting to pr- just to praise God and start to lift your voice and pray. Maybe for those loved ones of yours or those circumstances you're facing. Have you ever sung at midnight? Not literally, but you should try it sometimes. And some of you have, wonderful. You should try it. Because I want to tell you, God never sleeps, never slumbers. He's there. He's available. Maybe some of you are crying this morning because it's just midnight. It's just difficult. It's just no fun. Maybe you've come through it and, and it's not midnight, it's dawn. And, every, and you've seen the results of your what God can do. For Paul and Silas, everything around them cried out defeat, give up. And yet they began to ask God and pray and to praise God. That's when your voice is most powerful, when it's midnight. That's when your natural man kicks in or natural person kicks in and says, don't sing, don't pray. But when you do, that's the most powerful voice you could ever have. When it's midnight, right there in the middle of the biggest issues and the biggest struggles. I want to say, come on, you've got to lift your voice. Church, we need to lift our voice. Please don't let prayer be a take it or leave it thing. Please don't let praise be a take it or leave it thing. Because how can God ever draw near if you never allow Him through prayer and praise? How can you ever draw near to Him? I want to just share a story just to finish. When I was 12, I was part of a basketball team at West Primary School. Two of the oldest primary schools in Gladstone are the Central Primary School and West Primary School in this city. I've been here a little while, a couple of years. And at the age of 12, I signed up for the Gladstone West Basketball. Unfortunately, there was about eight players who were a lot better than me and 
they were put into it, the A-grade side. But thankfully, because there was enough of us players who were left over, they made a B-grade side. I was it. I was the B-grade player. That's okay. Someone said, who wants to be captain of the B-grade side? I must have put my hand up. Because <laughs> I became captain of the B-grade side. Who remembers sports days? Friday afternoons, the best time of school. You'd live for sports days. That's when other schools in Gladstone would come across and play you in basketball. And Central Primary School came across. They only had one team. It was their A-grade side. We were scheduled to play second as the B-grade side. And so our A-grade played their A-grade. And guess what? Central A-grade beat West A-grade side. And now the B-grade side's got to turn up and play a team that's just been... It's just beating our A-grade side. If our A-grade side can't beat them, how could the B-grade side beat them? I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) Not. (laughs) So we get out on the court on this, and and we start to play them. And, you know, they were, it was obvious they were a better team than us. Obvious. They had more ability. They had more skill. But about... Within the first five minutes, I thought if we can't beat them with you know, our ability, we'll defend as if our life de- depended on it. And let's see what they do with that. So as the captain of the team, we'd set up this zone defense at our end. And I talked to the guys and said, our one goal, if we can't outscore them, let's see at least if they don't score enough to beat us. If we can just score a couple, we'll defend and we'll get around this basket and they won't be able to get in and we'll just defend with all our life. And as the team, and, and after a couple of times down the, they approach us down the court, we'd, we'd run ahead of them and get down and form our zone defense. And I'd yell, for some reason within me came this voice and it said, hands up! <laughs> and even before they got to us, I'd be screaming, hands up! And all the team would look at me and go, oh, Okay. And we're all standing there like idiots probably with their hands up, even before the opposition got to us. But after about the 10th time that they didn't score, and we got the ball back and we scored a couple, I was starting to realize there was something in this hands up thing that I was screaming out. And as the team would approach us and I'd yell hands up, it was like they got completely psyched out. They completely like as if they were saying, we're not going to score. They're too good in the defense. They might be good shooters, but boy, they can defend. And I want to tell you how it ended. We beat them. We beat them. And it was all because some stupid guy who wasn't supposed to be the captain, who wasn't good enough to be A-grade, but just decided to be the captain, decided he'd yell at the top of his voice. I, I was probably not a normal child, but that's fine. That's why... <laughs> would yell at the top of his voice, hands up! And mean, I was screaming it, and they think, he is psycho. But we won the game. We won the game. And I want to tell you that our God would ask if you would just simply start to raise your voice, no matter how stupid or ridiculous it is, and start to say, Father, I will praise you, even though this has happened. And I will commit in prayer to ask you and, re- and spend that time, God, just talking to you about life. Even though the, it, the, the situation seems unnatural and it's stupid, and I will raise my voice. And church, come on. If we're ever going to affect a community, if we're ever going to touch 
the people we love with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to raise our voice in prayer. Because prayer is where the engine room is. The rest is just gathering up the results. Praise is the power of heaven. The rest is just getting, getting the answers that our praise and prayer make available to us. So this morning, we've got to raise our voice because the enemy is coming down the basketball court at you. And I tell you what, his one tool is to try and psych you out with his voice because it says the devil roams around seeking whom he may devour and the only way he can devour you is suggestion i would suggest to you that you actually make some suggestions to him and the suggestions you can make is devil you're not going to have a part of me or my family or my future or your church because we're going to raise our voice and he gets psyched by people who get determined he gets psyched out. I tell you, he gets scared when people stand on the word of God and start to declare, no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. When people start to declare, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And when people start to declare, as I and my God, as I submit to God, resist the devil, the idiot has got to flee. I tell you what, he gets psyched by that. Because James 4, 7 says he flees. How about this morning? We stand as we just make a declaration. Hey, come on, church. You know, this morning as we just come and we close, I just want to say thank you. Parents, I want to thank you. Don't stay away because there's no children's church. Parents, bring your kids. appreciate it. Because I want them to sit in church, okay? So I just thank all the parents who were here this morning with your kids. It's brilliant. But I'm just glad you're here. Let your kids be in church and sit under the word. Sit under the praise of God, which is brilliant. We're going to have morning tea in a moment. But for a moment, let's just give some concentration. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe for yourself or even for someone else, you just need to make a stand. Maybe the circumstances are crowded in and it's been a long time since you've seen the light. It feels like a long time since you're going to, until you see the light. And God would just say, hey, come on, would you just yield that to me? Would you just surrender that afresh this morning? Would you just hand that over? You may be saying, well, I'm just struggling in this area this morning. I tell you, God knows that and, he, and he's not going to hurt you. He wants to help you. And I'd love to just stand and pray with you this morning and believe God. Amen. I love to get our team and just to gather and pray and believe. If there's just some areas in your life to say, Father, I just got to surrender. Maybe you're here and you could stand in proxy for someone and say, This morning, I just uplift, uplift this situation and this person. Who's just, this morning, I've got some needs in my family. I had my nephew, um, my nephew, and I've just realized something. I've got a nephew who, 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 his, his partner is just a baby, a little baby boy yesterday. Uh, my nephew is 37, so this is his first child. But um, and as soon as he was born, they rushed him into emergency because this little boy was having struggle breathing. His lungs are full of fluid and this is something not quite right. Now, I've heard good news. I've been continuing to communicate with my sister, who, who's, this is her grandson, and so, you know, I'm just going to stand in the gap for that, for that family and this precious little boy. But maybe you've got some circumstances or situations. You say, Father, I just, 
handed over this morning. I just love to pray. We believe the Spirit of God is here. Because the Spirit of God says, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. So as we sing, I love you just to come and we just stand together and pray and believe God.